3: Oh, hi, Mark.
4: That painful scream represents only one thing. Mark Rody is joining us on the Alpamante Ford hotline. Alpamante Ford in Melrose Park. Mark Rody on the Bears sideline tomorrow for the second exhibition game in which the starters will play
1: in 2019. Mark, welcome to the show. What's happening, guys? I am right now at the Bearport. I just had myself a delicious ham and cheese Hudson News sandwich.
3: Oh, that's a A quality item.
1: Nobody gets cheese ham and cheese sandwiches like Hudson News.
3: Made with love. You can always tell. Yes. Wrapped in plastic with love. With love.
1: <laughs> it is, and it's really the only place, Hudson News, where you can still buy a hardcover novel if you'd like. Because there they are.
4: Because there they are for your flying play, reading flying pressure. What time great it's,
1: magazines. It's great. What it's time
3: great. do you uh, board the bear plane?
1: <laughs> the bear plane boarding process will start at 1230, so do not make me late. We won't,
4: but thank you for joining us on our Bear Waves here. So tomorrow is going to be... Spiegel and I were trying to figure out what, if anything, we could learn tomorrow. From a Bears team, the season ended two weeks ago, and then they soiled their pants last week. And Minnesota's got nothing to play for. They're the sixth seed. That's it. It's all over. And important guys are not going to play. That's why this really is an exhibition game. Where Matt Nagy is, I guess, kind of forced or wants to have his starters play. What do
1: you think we could learn? What are you going to come out of this with? What's what's well? Here's what I think: it's going to it's going to be a lot like the preseason, where maybe good things will happen, but we'll use that disclaimer that we use throughout the entire preseason. Well, I get it's preseason, but. That was pretty good to see, and if you see, so you still want to see, yeah. You still, we still have, the Bears still have a developing quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky, so if you look at it as a preseason game, you still want to see four quarters of Mitchell Trubisky. You still want to see what is Riley Ridley, the wide receiver, all about? Can he run the entire route tree? It'd be nice to see what that's all about. You still want to see development from somebody like Javon Wims, who has been given opportunities this year and has been good some of the time. And a lot of times, I think one of the things that Javon Wims still has to get used to or, or work on is is using his body, that they have given him lots of chances to make plays and he always hasn't always come through. I'd like to see what an Alex Bars looks like at guard or even as a as a tackle i am looking forward to knowing what kevin tolliver looks like when he plays four quarters of a game because it doesn't look like prince of Mukamara will be in there and these are all things that you can watch and then we could disclaim if they play well and say well minnesota didn't play their starters but kevin tolliver did have an interception okay that said is what? that good enough for you? No. It's, I understand no. what you're okay. looking
4: for, and, and I understand it is an exhibition game. And what if Matt Nagy runs more times tomorrow than he has in any single game all season? What, what then will you come out of that with, if anything? I
1: don't know. If that happened, I would say perhaps this is symbolic of what Matt Nagy has finally conceded that he needs to get right during the Mm offseason. He's been talking about creating a run game since last year when each and every week, even when they would win, after you got past all the good stuff, it came down to, okay, what the hell happened with the running game, though? Why did why was there only seven carries in this game? Or what what was going on with Jordan Howard? I'm talking about last year and then this year. It's is, is David Montgomery good? We don't even know if David Montgomery is good. So this year, one of the projects has to be a sincere, earnest, legitimate overhauling of the run game and not just talking about it. Because I feel like Matt Nagy has talked about it a lot, but not really done anything about it. Called it, um, you know, a systemic thing and not blaming it. on. He never really blamed it on Jordan Howard. He hasn't blamed it on David Montgomery. So now they have to figure it out. They have to figure out why they haven't been able to run the ball successfully, get the scheme right, get the offensive line right, get the running back right, get it all right, and and do it for real. And I think it would be actually really somewhat refreshing if we saw the run game go to work tomorrow because everybody has realized that you actually have to have that, even in this passing existence that we are in.
3: Yeah, you sure do. Um, the Ravens and the Niners and a ton of other teams are showing you that you need that mindset. I just don't think philosophically he buy- he buys it. I- 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 Mark, I-, I just think philosophically he believes that you win by throwing it and that you don't even really need to show that you can run it or will run it. And I think he's wrong about that.
1: I think you're right, and, and every, like, again, I go back to last year, every week it was the same thing with that, and, you know, it, I think the one game that might have changed his mind on that occurred this year, and that was against the Saints, where they did have the seven carries for 16 yards, and it was embarrassing, it was embarrassing for, for everybody, it was after that game that they had the, the players-only meeting, and it was also after that game that you started to see Matt Nagy add a fullback, add an extra offensive lineman, yep. go with some I-formation and I think he has not. He obviously hasn't completely stuck with that. But I think that that was the game that hit him upside the head and made him realize he can't just keep talking about it and satiate the people who want to hear. Yes, we're going to get the running game going. We're going to get the running game going. He actually got the running game going, and I think he finally realized, even though he hates it. I, I agree with you, Matt. I don't. I, he doesn't like the the running game. <laughs> he, doesn't he doesn't believe he, in it. He does. Yeah. He, do, he doesn't. You, you, you're you're right. But I think he he realized after that game that he realizes that he has to believe in it and he also realizes that he's he's got a quarterback on whom you cannot depend to completely run that system of offense, and that he's got to change some things, and and the change has to involve having a running back or a running game. Period. And I think he might have realized that after the Saints game.
3: That'd be nice. This segment is brought to you by Napa Auto Parts. <laughs> Napa Auto Parts is having a huge blowout sale, December twenty seventh, the twenty eighth only. Save twenty five percent store wide. That's twenty five percent off store wide this Friday and Saturday at Napa. Not participating locations while supplies last. Some exclusions apply. Go to NapaBigSell.com for more details. Mark, we're trying to figure something out. I heard uh, Hub Arkish with you the other day as you guys were hosting, and Hub said that he thought Mitch Trubisky looked bad a few times in training camp and wrote it. I I don't remember that, but I I certainly believe Hub. What what we're trying to figure out is do they think, did they think that Mitch looked great in practices and OTAs and training camp? and then terrible in the games. Like did they really believe that Mitch was going to show up against Green Bay and start killing it?
1: You know what, it's funny. Like we, it, the offense in general didn't look good if you want to go all the way back to A, but the one thing that the, the talking point from the coaching staff and I'll admit that I bought I bought into it was just the fact that the defense was so far ahead of or the the defense is so good and uh-huh. so elite and that the defense had gone to the next step and that it's easier and it's true it is easier to play defense in training camp because the full install is not in and in offense you're you're trying different things that you may not use during the regular season so I, yeah i'll back up hub on that and a lot of people wrote that that the offense simply didn't look good but none of us thought That we were seeing any part of what was really going to happen. We all bought into the 200 level of Trubisky and of the offense in general, and that they were, that we just weren't seeing the parts. They weren't showing the parts that we were supposed to see week one against Green Bay at Soldier Field on that. On that night. So um, so so, yeah, it it felt like they had something up their sleeve and what they had up their sleeve really just never came to pass um, this year. But but that is true. That is true. The offense did struggle in bourbon. But again, as we said at the very beginning, you always put disclaimers on anything you see in the preseason or in games where the lights are off.
4: Talking with Mark Grody here on The Score. He, uh, he will be part of WBBM's uh, brother station, 780 AM and 105.9 FM. Broadcast of the Bears-Minnesota game, final game of the uh, season for the Bears. That's tomorrow. Also tomorrow, come out to the Highline Bar and Lounge in River North for the Sportsbook at Ameristar pregame show. Get ready for the Minnesota game with Hub Arkish, Patrick Manley, and Olin Krutz. It runs from 9 a.m. until kickoff, followed by a two-hour post-game with Hub, Patrick, and James Big Cat Williams, brought to you by Screwball, the original and most awarded peanut butter whiskey. And then we're gonna have 49ers at Seahawks for you after that. So there's the thing, and Speaks was talking about it before. He brought up Gr- Greg Roman. And you're you're looking at when you're gonna see Russell Wilson and then Jimmy Garoppolo. And Greg Roman used to be the coach of Colin Kaepernick, and you wonder about the intractability of Matt Nagy, or maybe it's the naivete or being a young guy where "BU" on his on his call sheet is simply code for be stubborn. But 49ers and Seahawks with with those two quarterbacks, and and that's what you want to see when the Bears grow up. What are what? After what we heard about Mitch 2.0, and we were—they were either lying to us or they're sadly mistaken. They didn't actually believe it. They were trying. They were hoping to believe it. What have you seen this season as evidence that
1: they could get to that point? They could be those those
4: franchises' offense for now.
1: The only evidence that I've seen is the the three or four games where the game plan seemed drastically different from Matt Nagy and the style of offense was drastically different. And I'll just use the Dallas game as an mm-hmm. example of that, where where you saw Mitchell Trubisky. Went, it seemed like he was almost told in that game or believed in that game that that it's okay that if, 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 it's, if it's third down and six... And you see green grass in front of you, go for it, man. Go ahead and go ahead and run that football instead of buying time to to get the ball to your playmaker. Because that was the edict in the beginning of the season that you you are Mitchell Trubisky, you're a throw first quarterback. And that the reason we have Alan Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller is because they're the playmakers and you are the one who is to get them the ball. It seemed like he finally bought into the idea that it's okay if you run a 23-yard play and get into the end zone, which looked delicious. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay if you take a chance on a play. Like there, there were two some very specific throws in that game that I loved. There was one... Uh, towards the south end zone that he made to Anthony Miller where he drilled it in between two defenders Mm -hmm. and he put some serious miles per hour on it. And then on the other side to Allen Robinson where he did allow Allen Robinson to make a play. Robinson took a big hit, um, but they got the ball down the field to the 23-yard line, and that was before the 23-yard touchdown run. So the game plan was completely catered, I thought, to Mitchell Trubisky's style of being able to get out of the pocket and to roll out and do things like that. Um, you know, everybody uses the words dumb down the offense. You don't have to dumb down the offense, just use a different offense. You just it doesn't have to be like as great as this offense is, the one that has been highly successful in Philadelphia and Kansas City. It, it doesn't necessarily have to work for everybody. And it seems like there's a big enough sample size now in two years that the full Matt Nagy game plan does not work for Mitchell Trubisky, and you gotta put that guy in a position to win, and I still think that there's a lot of hope for it if. Nagy can do that. Who's
3: um, who's who's not going to play for sure? In terms of you know guys who are on the fence, not the injured, the the fully injured, but are 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 they going to sit a bunch of people tomorrow?
1: Mark, you know that, that's a great question, man. I, it doesn't sound like like what Matt Nagy has said on more than one occasion so far this week is he he'll say on one side of his mouth, yeah, we're we're going to play. We're going we're gonna to act like this is a real game. We're going to play everybody. You know, we're going for the win. But then he'll say out of the other side that, you know, hey, if, but if we see opportunities where maybe we can get somebody else some playing time, we're going to go ahead and do that. And so that says to me that you're going to see a lot of the starters in there for sure to begin the game. But then, then maybe you'll start to see some other guys get in and get opportunities to play. You know, I brought up the name. Alex Barrs on the offensive line. I don't know at this point if Rashad Coward is going to play, but it'd be nice to see him get in and get some get some playing time. You know, Riley Ridley is another guy who we have seen play, but he's never really looked completely comfortable out there. It'd be nice just to see him maybe from the second quarter on just be out there on on every single play that you would allow him to be just to get some some comfort going into the offseason. So I I think that what Nat Nagy has kind of said in parentheses, we'll see, you know, the, where there are opportunities, we will use them. I think you're going to see a lot of that tomorrow, and, and why not?
4: Mark, you brought up the, the Dallas game and what you thought was the, the execution of a game plan. The game plan was catered for the players. It, it was tailored for the players and tailored against specifically against that opponent. And the fact that you went to that, and it was so isolated and such a, an island game, Underscores my belief that Matt Nagy is just not a good coach yet. A good coach in my world coaches the game that's there, the players that are there, the situation that's there, the opponents that's there. And he seems to be coaching his playbook and the imagination of the way it should be. And I I don't know if there's anything else that... I've not seen growth in the head coach as a head coach to be able to adjust. When he says, be you... I, again, I come back to this is be stubborn. Do you have you seen anything where this guy has improved as a coach
1: regarding game situations? I think it's been this painful process for him personally. Like he comes in with this, with this playbook, you know, it, it's similar concepts to what Andy Reid was doing, but with his own obvious twist on it, and then elements of the spread offense as well and he comes into this thing believing in it, completely sold on it because he has seen it work and he he knows it works and he knows that when it does work it can dominate and you can put serious points on the board. So I think what it, it's been this this conflict, this struggle that he has had in in pulling himself away from it little by little. And I think he waited too long this season to start to change some of his concepts and to realize that he had to yank some of the chapters out of his playbook and he had to add that fullback and he had to add the extra offensive lineman. He had to use things like I formation um, and conservative style of offense and running game. And like I said earlier, it, you know, after that Saints game, he just has started to realize and believe that maybe what he is doing with the personnel that he has currently is not going to work so it's like if you have something that you you know works and that you believe in it and it it just doesn't I think he that's the struggle that he's had and I think that that's why I said like this off season is incredibly important will he will he earnestly and honestly change the way he does business or will he stick to what he has and what he thinks he knows is going to be really good with that offense <sighs> okay well
4: well mark we're going to let you get on that bear plane now that you're at the bearport we thank you for talking to us at the bear plane at the bear we we uh, hope you get all the bear miles you're due to get
1: for this flight and, um, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to getting my uh, bag of seven pretzels once I get on the plane, and
3: uh, <laughs> the little hard pretzels. Bag. I thought maybe yes. you were going over to Auntie Anne's and getting yourself. No,
4: that'd be that'd be seven oh, and man. a lot of mustard, hey, well, mustard oh, and what? cheese, caramel. Give oh, you the caramel. The, they'll the, yeah. give
3: you they'll and, give you caramel and put with pretzels? with pretzels. You can dip your salted pretzel in the caramel. I never think about of that. it. Think about I'm it. A cheese and life mustard.
4: Guy. Hey, life hack. Life hack. All right, so that's it. We, we should have an airport food draft, shouldn't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, Hudson News sandwiches, they're they're they You a can't first beat Hudson rounder. News. <laughs> yeah. right. Hudson News uh, and And, and uh, for your audio pleasure or displeasure or reasons to sleep in, uh, Mark Grody, uh, one of the co-founders of the Awaken Bake Club, and me... We'll be broadcasting beginning at 7 a.m. on New Year's Day. We will we will be together again for the first time, 7 a.m. to noon on January 1st. What's significant about that? Mark, why don't you share with the class what's significant about the reunion of the Wake and Bake Club?
1: Well, I will say this, that that is the first day of legalization of said, said Wake and Bake. Yeah, um, recreational it, pot in Illinois. Right, is legal. And here's the thing, I was thinking about this, that... The Wake and Bay Club never, ever would have started in the era of legalization and legal recreational pot because the the whole reason that that started was because <laughs> it's right, it's we just contraband. did a weird we did a weird wacky story about how like a million pounds of pot were were uh, was discovered and people were busted and I said that. The city of Chicago is out of pot. There is no marijuana. And this is a Saturday, mind you. And we had all these people calling us going, what was that Brody guy talking about? What do you mean there's no more pot? Smoke weed every day. So now there is going to be more pot than ever, and you can get it. And so the, really, the, you know, the Wake and Bake Club never would have existed if this day had come to pass in, you know, five years ago.
4: So fittingly, we'll be on the air, and I guarantee you we will be reporting stories that stores have already run out of their pot. That's Ooh, that what happens happen too. That's what happens the first day. All right, Mark, safe travel. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. Bye, guys. Mark Rodey. You uh, hear him every day on The Score, uh, talking about the Bears, reporting on the Bears. You'll hear him on WBBM tomorrow, uh, working the sidelines of the Bears' useless game against Minnesota. We'll take a break. At uh, 1240, we'll talk to Patrick Finley, a little more Bears on, uh, on, uh, from the Sun-Times on their useless game. But we keep acting like maybe we'll find something interesting. And I do have some – you have something you have something.
3: Yeah, Sorry. a primer for new eyes. Let, let's I I would like to offer a primer for some new eyes as you scout for futures tonight because you will find yourself watching. So let's go ahead and help you scout for
4: futures. Oh, so you've regained your passion for that. Yeah. Oh. Okay. The passion's there. It's all it's always there. Okay. Accessible. I just wasn't sure. All right. And a uh former cub erstwhile cub, a cub in limbo is doing something really cool today. That I think we can all relate to. It's going on right now. I think we'll, uh, I'll share that with you. Nice. He's Matt Spiegel. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday Suckage. Chicago Sports Radio 670. The Score.
0: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We understand that we, we have a lot of talented players, and we know what our big time goal is. But we've learned a lot too this year, just uh, how to about how to go about doing things. And so we all have different timelines on where we're at, and Khalil has his own, and he's been in this thing. But we we know that we want to we want to get to this thing as soon as we can. That's
4: interim Bears coach Matt Nagy. Be coaching an exhibition game, set Bears' second ex- exhibition game in the last two weeks. Play Minnesota tomorrow, and they'll have to add to their team. And you were talking about uh, the game the whole family can play, adding to the Bears team. Who to watch for? Who to eventually to arm yourself to play? Who's your guy on the score?
3: Exactly. College football playoffs are tonight. Am I the only one? Did they sneak up on anybody Me. else? They sneak up on you? Here we are on a Saturday between Christmas and New Year's, and college football used to own uh, New Year's Day, and now it still kind of does, though the NHL with a winter classic has interceded a little bit. They have like
4: 80,000 people in Dallas at that. Yeah. At the Cotton Bowl, I believe. Uh, For
3: the winter classic? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um,
4: Nashville and the the Preds and Stars.
3: But these might be... The best two games that the college football playoffs have ever set up for us. Some people are talking about it like that, hyperbole. Bill Walton has a lot to, to say about this. These, these are <laughs> these are the four best quarterbacks ever to appear in the college oh, football playoffs. So no, there's a you know there's a lot to to see tonight, and obviously the quarterbacks are. Are interesting. You're not going to get yourself Joe Burrow, but Jalen Hurts. Check out Jalen Hurts and mm-hmm. think if you believe on the transfer from Alabama to Oklahoma, because he might he might fall to you, or you could trade up and and do something for Jalen Hurts, conceivably. And there's a there's just there's a bunch of really good players, especially in Clemson and Ohio State. Whether it is obviously you are not going to get Chase Young, but but Jeffrey Okuda, the, the the corner from Ohio State, and so many defensive linemen on Clemson. There is there is a lot of guys to watch, a lot of different people to to
4: check out. So and, I would think man. if you are if you are the quarterback, you uh, you you can't get away from. Him. But if you are a if you are a Bears fan, the first thing you should be watching, I think. Is the lines. offensive line.
3: Find yourself. I, some I,
4: offensive more than defensive. Offensive line because you as we talked about before, you you mm-hmm. need that needs to be stout. That needs to be the coach needs to commit to having an offensive line that can run, right? Isn't yeah. that where you're headed? Yes. Wouldn't that be the first order of business? That's yes. that's what you should scout. That and it's a good way to watch a game anyway. Start on the line where the well, line of scrimmage is. Start there. Eventually. The ball or the lineman will take you to where the play's going. Mm-hmm. But, you know, check for pancakes. See who's... That's a really good way. Count those. Let's play the pancake game. So, I'm um, in. that's what I
3: would pancakes do. Pancakes are delicious.
4: Yes, they are. <laughs> Not waffles. Um, and I'd mentioned this before we get to Patrick Finley. We're going to try to... He's apparently heading to the port as well. I guess he's going to meet Mark Rody there. But um, former club is, really, is doing something... We can all relate to you okay. expect to see ballplayers doing something for for charities, raising money, things like that today going on now in Falmouth, Massachusetts. Were you far from Falmouth?
3: Uh, no, in college, it was in Boston. So now Falmouth, uh, pretty far.
4: OK, Steve Ciszek is holding the Steve Ciszek Classic. And this is the fourth year he has done that. It is a wiffle ball tournament. It is a wiffle ball tournament that benefits Falmouth youth baseball. That helped him get to where he is.
3: That's awesome. Falmouth, by the way, is on Cape Cod. It's down there. Oh, down the that's the Cape. Well, Be- beautiful part of the world.
4: They're going to get bad weather, but the good thing about wiffle ball is you can play it inside. Sure could. They are. They're playing in the field house of the high school where he was a bat- star basketball player. I did not know this about him. I knew he was a rangy kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's four or five players, all of whom must be 18 years or older, and they're playing wiffle ball. And the money goes to renovating the youth baseball fields, Falmouth, Falmouth youth baseball fields, providing new equipment for the, ch- for the kids, the players, as well as providing financial support for the families in need.
3: That's awesome.
4: And there will be a home run derby, <laughs> wiffle ball, home run derby as we speak it's going on and the silent um the silent auction that these places usually have will have and i didn't notice this but the cubs played in the williamsport game right the hall of fame game right? yeah the,
3: little league classic
4: he had falmouth youth baseball inspired cleats that he's putting up for auction. That's awesome. So they were designed that way. And there's the um, the Cubs have the special Memorial Day jerseys, right? All the teams wore Memorial Day when they played. Mm-hmm. So I just think I when I, I always when I read Wiffle Ball, I just I want to know about it and I think it's great. And I wanna know who, and I thought, this is great. I love this guy. He doesn't have a team. He was he was used up and abused by the Cubs, arguably yeah. But Steve C. Sheck Classic is going on as we speak. That's
3: awesome. The Cape Cape is an amazing place. Um, I was there for the first time in a long time, a couple summers ago, um, to see my my nephew was a broadcaster in the Cape Cod League. So to see the Cape Cod Baseball League was amazing to see. Um, where Kyle Farnsworth played, where Kyle Schwarber played, and a million other guys, Ian Happ and Brandon Morrow, and and all these all these people, and there are these tiny little high school ballparks that house these incredible college prospects every year.
4: My experience with the Cape League is Drew Barrymore's never been kissed. There you go. That's it. Oh,
3: not never been kissed. Ca- uh, summer catch.
4: Summer summer ca- Oh, Was that it?
3: Yeah. So wait. Is, has never been know. kissed the cape. The I know cape she,
4: she keeps hanging out of baseball fields. Is all I, whatever it is. Maybe it Maybe is. Maybe summer summer catches summer catches. Yes, the one with Freddie Prince
3: Junior. That's the cape league. Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a beautiful part of the world. My buddy Andy used to have a, um, a a little gift shop there called the Caped Cod, and the logo was a fish with a cape well, on of it. Course. Oh,
4: sure. Of superhero. course, sure, superhero. How Because everyone dreams of coming back as a cod as a superhero. So he did. Uh-huh. All right, we'll take a break. We will come back with Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times talking more Bears, see if he can find something useful coming out of tomorrow's game. Spiegel, Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, The Score.
2: Do you anticipate the tone of your conversations in the offseason when you try to figure out what went wrong? Any different than they were last year?
0: Well, they're, they're naturally going to be different just because of the scenario of, of where we're at. I mean, it's a lot easier uh, last year going what we went through and then ended up, uh, you know, uh, making it to the playoffs, winning the division, you understand that you, we, we, we felt like we set the foundation last year so those conversations are easier. And then when you go into a year like this and you have all those expectations and those intentions um, and you don't reach them, uh, but you, you're going to have tougher conversations. But that's where I think I go back to the relationship of honesty, putting egos aside and doing what's best, and I, I don't foresee it being any tougher between us.
4: Well, that's uh, interim Bears coach Matt Nagy. He's talking and answering a question from our next guest about conversations last year. And that's where we we did it differently. Well, I think he did it wrong last year based on what we saw this year. We welcome joining us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. For the Chicago Sun Times, talking Bears is Patrick Finley as he tries to get to the Bearport to catch his bear plane for a what seems to be a useless Bears game. Patrick, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time today. What, if anything, what would be the best things you could legitimately learn
2: tomorrow? Uh, I think it, I think anything good would probably be a false positive. <laughs> uh, and anything bad, and anything bad might just confirm what we already know. I don't know, Mitch Trubisky finishing the season uh, on somewhat of a uh, high note uh, it wouldn't be bad necessarily. I'm not sure how much credit we should give him if he does do it. But watching him go out there and at least give him something optimistic to cling to in the off season that's about as good as I can do right now in terms of what we might actually learn tomorrow. I mean, short of the obvious, which is as long as nobody hurts an Achilles or something. I mean, injuries still might have the greatest effect uh, on their offseason plans uh, coming out of that game.
3: Do you have any sense for uh, for how for for how much Matt Nagy is going to build this offense around Mitch tomorrow? Like, like that relationship and how much he has schemed for this particular quarterback seems to have waffled and waxed and waned all year long. Where are we at this moment, Patrick?
2: I think the relationship is good. I, I I think that the two of them are on the same page and have been on the same page most of the year. I mean, with the exception of maybe Mitch's throwaway line a couple of weeks ago about wanting to move the pocket a little more. It, I'm not worried about the relationship. Is he going to try and have Mitch throw 50 times tomorrow to try to prove some sort of point? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, this is a guy who, given his brothers, would probably throw on every down, is
4: What if he yeah, runs right. on every down?
2: <laughs> I'd sit there and go, uh, "Who took away play-calling responsibility from Matt, Matt Nagy?" That's what I'd say. While we have
4: you here, it's uh, posted by Jason Lockenfour on CBS Sports that Patrick uh, Pat Fitzgerald turned down an invitation to interview with the the uh, Panthers, uh, Ron Rivera's former job, and Lockenfour wrote in there a speculation that if if while being pursued often by NFL teams. Pat Fitzgerald wouldn't leave for any job except the Bears. So <laughs> so I just thought we'd throw that out. That's what happens when you have a, a year like this. And you wrote about this week, you wrote about, well, probably presuming the head coach is going to come back. He's, he'll get another shot. But what about the assistants? What about the rest of the coaches? So you wrote about it. Share with the class, and what do you think? How do you, how do you play this out?
2: I think that the entire defensive staff is coming back unless they get, you know, promotions elsewhere or something like that. Maggie spoke, you know, this week as though, hey, while I'm fixing the offense this offseason, the defensive staff is going to be doing X, Y, and Z. So I, I think they're safe. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears parted with a couple of offensive assistants, maybe even offensive coordinator Mark Kelfrich. We can debate what that means though, because Maggie calls the plays. And, you know, if you're gonna fire a position coach or two just to kind of say that you're doing something different, you know, I, I don't know whether that qualifies as real change, but I just can't believe that they're going to go into this off season and not change anything. This is a offense that is second worst in the league in yards per play, second worst in the league in points per game. You can't sit there and not make somebody a sacrificial lamb. Is it dumb? Yeah, probably. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but, you know, they need to do something just to say that they did from a coaching standpoint. Um, you know, personnel-wise, there are going to be a lot of changes. You know, they need help at tight end. They need help on the offensive line. And they need to bring in somebody to, at the very least, to ch- you know, challenge Mr. Trubisky. You know, when they played the Eagles and had nine yards in the first half and Mr. Trubisky took the field for the second half, that told you all you needed to know about what the team thought about Chase doing it. And that just cannot happen again next year, at the very least.
3: Uh, you know, Patrick, it's so funny. Like when Nagy was hired, I remember thinking, well, this is great. You got the play caller as the head coach, the offensive designer as the head coach. So when other offensive assistants get hired away, then this guy is still here. And now we're talking about, yeah, but this guy's still here. <laughs> um, but it, who believes in running the ball the most out of that brain trust? You Harry know, but yeah, maybe Brad Childress, uh, Helfridge, um, Pace. I mean, does anybody believe it?
2: Might be Trubisky. Trubisky, uh, out of all those guys, might be the one who appreciates actually being able to hand the ball off and take a little bit of pressure off of him. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a question too when you talk about you know these position coaches. Harry Heastan is about as respected as any offensive line coach on the planet. But you look at the offensive line and what they've done this season, it's just very, very bad. Almost out of you know, out of the gate. You know, do you make a change there? I, I don't think Nagy's ever going to line up. You know, and run the ball 40 times a game. But even he knows there needs to be balance. Then again, guys. I mean, we've been covering him for what 31 regular season games now. I would guess that 28 of those weeks, one of us has asked, "Why in the world aren't you running more?" Uh, and it really hasn't changed.
4: Does that rotate? Do you guys do you guys have a schedule for that? Do you guys have the, the reporters and at Hallis Hall pulled numbers? Do you or how does that go? That who gets to ask you why aren't you running? Question.
2: A hub leads the way usually. Oh, yes, uh, it's one of Hub's favorite topics. Yeah, 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 we all take turns in some version of why didn't you run it more? What do you need to do to become more comfortable with your run game? All different variations that we've explored in the last year.
4: So. Um, Jordan Reed, Senior NFL Draft Analyst for uh, Draft Network, LLC. He tweeted out, Getting socks on Christmas is the equivalent of drafting an offensive lineman in the first round. Not flashy or exciting. But you know, if they do their job, you'll appreciate them at some point later on. Jeff Schwartz, a former offensive lineman, host of the Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You podcast. I love that name. (laughs) He retweeted that with this. Nah, linemen aren't socks. We are underwear we are the layer that pre- protects the most near and dear object to all, which is very well done. I think the Bears need <laughs> underwear. So, where do you think that ranks, and what people are going to should be watching on college football games this week and next?
2: I know people who rank offensive line ahead of Mitch Trubisky and what the Bears have to say. I would not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To figure out the quarterback. But I think it's right up there. and what's really interesting is you know, last off season they gave extensions to Cody White here and the Bobby Massey. You know, Charles Leno is working on an extension that's two years old. There's not a lot to do there unless you want to eat some money. I mean, you can bring in a right guard to you know, uh, you know, who's you know, presumably a veteran to take over for Rashad Coward who can pull the a defensive lineman. I think that makes sense. But, you know, beyond that, getting off of that money is gonna be difficult. And you know, because of that, that's why you have to wonder, in some of these cases, do they look at a position coach as, you know, we got to change something. And in some cases, you know, this is a crosswalk. I mean, changing some of the coaches is easier than changing the play. Patrick,
3: would you agree that the easiest path to the playoffs next year for Nagy and Pace is to tweak the offense and make it manageable for Mitch, no matter how simple that is, and try to get your defense to replicate what they are this year, that 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 is the easiest path to the playoffs?
2: I think you phrased that question well, and you phrased that question intentionally, probably. Well, I think that's probably true. I mean, because of Mitch's contract next year. right? You can still, for one more year, afford to build a really good, really expensive roster around him. Is that going to win a Super Bowl? I, I don't think so, at least, you know, unless we see Mitch really step up uh, in a way that he hasn't in the last three years, but you know, is it good enough to be pretty good? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, you know, then what's your plan after that? Yeah, that's that's the big the, question.
3: Yeah, that, that 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 is the question. All right, so maybe you could piece it together for a year. Um, but then then here's the other question: If I'm Ryan Pace, is my job security job security more in danger if I stick with Mitch? Or if I let Mitch go, if I'm Ryan Pace, if I cut bait right now and say I was wrong, do I have more job security, or if I go another year with Mitch and tweak it and make it work somehow a little
2: bit? Well, let's look at the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, They parted with Blake Bortles, justifiably so. I don't think there's anybody on the planet who thought that uh, you know they'd be better off for keeping him. But they went out and replaced him with Nick Foles, and Nick Foles was so expensive and so bad and got them in such a hole that more or less everybody's getting fired. Uh, you know, that's a scenario, which if Ryan Pace were to bring in Marcus Mariota and make him the starter over Mitch, if yeah. that doesn't go well, yes. they could get him fired. Um, You know, that said, the GM job, you know, if you want to go down that road, the GM job is so much more interesting next year. If they are so bad that he gets fired, they're going to have a top what, eight, top ten draft pick at the worst. That is attractive. You know, what they've got now is not attractive. To you know, and they're not going to replace Ryan Pitt this offseason. No way. But I, I think there's a path to getting fired both ways, probably. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and that's a depressing answer, but I think it's the truth.
4: Well, guess what? After he blew the decision on Cutler, blew the decision on Glennon, and blew the draft draft choice and the decision on Trubisky, that's a hat trick. Three strikes and you're out. He shouldn't. He can't be allowed <laughs> to choose the next Bears quarterback. So.
2: That's... And, and, that's, and I hear that a lot from people, and I can't argue, you know, the counterfactual there. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of the equivalent of you know, a politician being, you know, a one-issue guy. You know, if you want to fire him on that issue, and it's the most important issue in sports, I'll give you that, uh, that's a great argument. But I don't think you can look at the roster the Bears have, you know, from the 22 to the 53, and say that the general manager hasn't been doing his job, because I think he has. Yeah. The problem is if you don't pick the quarterback, ultimately it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, A bad quarterback uh, can undo so much of the good you do with the other 20.
4: Right, and you look at that defense as as great as it's been for the last two years, and, and especially this year, and you got a quarterback that undid it. The, the, Mitch Trubisky is more important than Khalil Mack, and Mr. bad Mitch Trubisky is more important than a good Bears defense. That's where you are with whatever credit you give Ryan Pace. He, missed in the, he, he swung and missed, and it whiffed on the biggest decision he had to make. So,
2: You know, I look back to when, I believe, after they beat the Giants, Trubisky stood at the podium and said that 19 points wasn't good enough. You know, if the Bears had scored 19 points in every game they played, I think they'd have, I don't know, 9 or 10 wins, hmm. <laughs> something like that. So we're not asking, and the Bears aren't asking Trubisky to turn into John Montana. They're just asking him to be just competent. Oh. And I think you've only seen that in what, maybe four or five games
4: or It just turned into Joe Flacco. All right, Patrick, thank <laughs> you. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate you joining us. Safe travel.
2: Hey, this is far more interesting than sitting at the airport, let me tell you. There you go. All right.
4: Well, good luck at the Bearport. We appreciate you your, your yes. time today. That's okay.
3: a, it's a low bar for us, but we'll take it.
4: That's right. This
3: hour, the score is brought to you by Team Hockberg. Visit the new website, 56david.com. That's 56david.com. And the bottom of the hour way back when was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. The Chicago Wolves host the Admirals at 3 p.m. tomorrow in the final home game of 2019. It's a Little Debbie Sunday, which means the first 1,000 kids receive a Dave and Buster's gameplay card at the door. That Jackson. Jaguars comp is a scary one yes it is Doug, hello Doug Marone just informed him apparently today that he will be getting the axe after the final game oh. tomorrow so Doug Marone is gone uh, Tom Coughlin uh, was kicked away right uh, and and that yeah. thing, that thing didn't work and that defense that was so good when they were so close with Blake Trubisky as their quarterback <laughs> That defense has slowly fallen apart and traded guys off and gotten less effective, and egos have uh-huh. exploded it, and the Jaguars suck. Scary comp.
4: Yes, and looks very familiar. Somehow we can all wear that.
3: Hell is coming to breakfast.
4: All right. Um, so it was a, uh, a legendary White Sox player had a birthday. Uh, I want to talk about that. And there's a uh, a, a Cubs... TV network coming up. We'll talk some baseball next hour. And uh, potential Cubs trade that I don't know how they make it. And hmm. and yet it's still a, something they, they seem to want to make. And we've discussed that before, but until something happens, we have to keep discussing it. <laughs> Rosenblum and Spiegel, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score.